the gorgeous nightingale. King Magnus had a baby daughter, Princess Betula Alba, and as was usual, 12 godmothers came to the princess's christening. One by one, they came to the golden cradle with their life gifts. She would grow up gentle and kind. She would be as graceful as the silver birch tree. She would marry someone as clear and precious as a gemstone of j jasper. The second to last godmother laid a tiny crystal bottle in the princess's tiny hand. It held the rainbow spark of a dewdrop. As she did so, the door burst open and in stamped an old crow as hideous as a nightmare. I see the princess has the dewdrop of life, she croaked, but she will only throw it away. And out she stamped again, banging the door behind her, so that the tapestries on the stone walls blew around with a gust of wind, while the christening guests stared at each other with eyes as big as saucers. At last, godmother of all stepped forward. She will throw it away, she said, but in doing so, she will save her father from the worst of deaths. The queen took care of the crystal bottle till Betula Alba grew up. Then she had a golden locket made to hold it, shaped like a heart, and when Betula Alba was old enough, she hung it on a golden chain around the child's neck, telling her to wear the heart of gold day and night next to her own. The very next morning, Betula Alba had wakened early, was wakened early by the birdsong in the wood beyond the palace gardens. She left her bed and went lightly over, and went lightly over the dewy grass to the wood, just as the sun came over the edge of the world, broad and red and glorious. She saw a shepherd boy standing under a silver birch tree, his flock of sheep close and quiet around him. He stood in a brown cloud of small birds, all singing their small hearts out, while larks dropped out of the sky and singing spirals to join them. The shepherd boy gazed at the princess, and the princess gazed at the shepherd boy, and she did not need to be told that his name was Jasper. She went that morning to her father's throne room. He sat on his hard golden throne, wearing his hard golden crown. Father, she said, I have found the boy as clear and precious as Jasper. He is a shepherd boy. A shepherd boy, thundered King Magnus. When a nightingale is as gorgeous as a peacock, then, and only then, shall my daughter marry a shepherd boy. And he had the shepherd boy shut up in a tower in the middle of a lake with water in every direction as far as the eye could see. That night as Betula Alba lay awake, she heard the nightingale singing. She went out into the moonlight and stood under his branch. She told him where Jasper was and begged him to go and sing to him to comfort him in his loneliness. Away flew the nightingale over field and fell and moor and mountain to the tower in the lake. He landed on the ivy near a slit in the thick stone wall, sipped a drop of dew from an ivy leaf to clear his throat and then lifted his small brown head and sang. In his dark dungeon, Jasper stood chained to a pillar. His head hung low onto his chest, and the heart in that chest was heavy. Suddenly, rising triumphantly above the wailing of the wind and the lapping of water on stone, came the first rich notes of the song of a nightingale. Jasper lifted his head and turned his eyes to the moonlit slit and felt comforted in his heart.
When the birds that greet the sun awoke and drank their drops of dew to clear their throats, the nightingale was still singing. From all parts of the kingdom, over field and fell and moor and mountain, his song drew them to the tower in the lake, till you couldn't see any stone or ivy because they were covered in small brown birds. And as the sun came over the edge of the world, broad and red and glorious, they greeted it with such a noise that Jasper forgot his captivity, and even his warders crowded crowded to the arrow slits. Op and even his warders crowded to the arrow slits, open-mouthed to listen. They sent a message to King Magnus to tell him of this invasion of singing birds, and the next night he had his servants row him out to the tower in his royal barge. Again the nightingale came and sang. And again at dawn, clouds of other birds flew to sing with him. King Magnus thought as he listened, I am not really harsh and cruel. My true self is quite different. If I can get this nightingale to sing to me, all these other birds will join him and that will show how gentle and kind I really am at heart. So he had the nightingale caught and put into a golden cage and he had the golden cage hung in his throne room. Then he came in, in his royal robes and his golden crown, and sitting on his golden throne, he barked out, Sing, Nightingale! The Nightingale shrank away from the king. As far as his cage would let him, his heart beat wildly, and he did not sing one note. Sing, Nightingale! King Magnus barked again. Still the nightingale sat huddled in his corner, and still he did not sing one note. King Magnus strode to the golden cage and shook his fist at the nightingale. Sing! For the last time, sing, nightingale, he shouted. Sing, or your neck shall be wrung and you shall be plucked and roasted and served up tonight at my table. But the nightingale still huddled in his corner and still did not sing a single note. King Magnus threw his crown on the throne room floor, denting it rather badly, and flung open the door, bellowing for his cook to fetch the nightingale. The cook came and took away the nightingale in his golden cage. Betula Alba heard the king's bellow far away in the wood. She ran across the gardens and burst into the throne room. What is it, father, she asked. Were you talking about my nightingale? Where is it? In the kitchen, King Magnus snapped. Betula Alba flew like a bird. In the palace kitchen, the golden cage stood empty, and on a roasting pan beside it, already plucked, lay the nightingale. Betula Alba cried out and grasped the golden locket that lay on her heart. She had taken out the tiny crystal bottle and unscrewed its silver stopper and was just tipping out the dewdrop when in strode King Magnus and roughly caught her wrist. That dewdrop is to save me from death, he stormed. How dare you throw it away? Isn't that what I was foretold I would do, father? asked Betula Alba. And she twisted her wrist in his iron grip so that the dewdrop of life fell splash on the dead naked nightingale. Then the nightingale stood up in the roasting pan only flesh and bones, and he lifted up his stringy throat and sang, 
Betula Alba swooped and cupped him in her hands, and out she ran with him, still singing, across the palace gardens to Jasper's silver birch tree. At the call of that song, birds came flocking till you could not see Betula Alba's golden dress for birds. Then she opened her hands and showed them the naked nightingale, and asked if they could each spare him just one feather to help clothe him. What delicious chirping and chirruping broke out then, as each bird preening and sleeking his feathers called on his neighbors to help him choose his best and most beautiful one. Now there was a flying cue to Betula Alba's shoulder, a feather in each bird's beak. The robins brought red ones from their breasts, the chaffinches white ones from their wings, the gold-crested wrens yellow ones from their crowns to make a new crown for the nightingale. There were black ones from the blackbirds, blue ones from the jays, green ones from the woodpeckers, iris ones from the doves, and all the browns from under the sun from, from the small brown birds. Each feather fastened itself on the nightingale's nakedness, as if guided by an invisible needle, till Betula Alba called joyfully to the birds, Bravo, you have made our little nightingale as gorgeous as a peacock. Her own words rang in her ears as if someone else's voice had said them, and the memory they evoked shook a surge of hope within her. She hid the gorgeous nightingale under her arm and ran back across the gardens, bursting into the throne room like a happy wind. King Magnus was sitting alone on his throne, wearing his dented crown, looking, truth to tell, a little lonely and pathetic. Betula Alba laid a gentle hand on his arm. Father, when did you say I could marry Jasper, she asked, her face shining. When a nightingale is as gorgeous as a peacock, he snapped, and I meant every word of it. Betula Alba laughed a laugh of purest joy as she drew the many-colored nightingale from under her arm. That is no nightingale, King Magnus barked, scowling at this vision of a miniature splendor. If he is, let him sing. The nightingale stood up on Betula Alba's arm. He spread out his rainbow plumage and perkly tipped his golden feather crown towards the king's golden dented one, lifted his iris little throat and sang. King Magnus nodded, knowing at once this was truly a nightingale. For the sweet pangs of a nightingale song can melt a heart of stone. His own heart melted as he listened, and he suddenly saw how near his own best self had come to being slain by pride and cruelty. He put his arm around Betula Alba and drew her near to him. The last godmother was right. You have saved me from the worst of deaths, he said. Quick, send for Jasper, and you shall marry him here and now. Every bird in the kingdom came to that wedding feast. They took crumbs of wedding cake from the lips of bride and bridegroom and sipped hydromel, which is honey wine, to make their throats clear. And they sang as they had never sung before. But the sweetest singer of them all was the gorgeous nightingale. And from that day, King Magnus, with all his fire and force, became 
a truly great king.